Welcome to the Love Yourself Naked podcast. I'm your host, Chelsea Glubish, and I've been working with women for over two years to help them ditch the diet mentality, find food freedom, and gain a body confidence that they never knew was possible. There is so much information out there about how to eat, how to exercise, and how to live a healthy lifestyle. My goal on the show is to help answer all your questions and provide you the tools you need to live in peace with food and love your body. So if you are ready to discover what it's like to live a life without obsession, you are in the right place. Now let's get to the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode. I am getting over a bit of a cold right now, so excuse the raspiness. (laughs) I might sound a little bit congested, Um, but I'm still here and I'm doing good. And I obviously did not want to miss an episode um, in consideration of just having some sniffles. So sorry if I sound a little bit different, but we are here. I'm really excited to bring you this episode. It's going to be kind of one part sharing my personal opinion and then another part debunking some myths that are out there right now in the health and wellness space. So I'm going to share today with you guys five things that I am not vibing with on social media in the wellness industry. I say social media because honestly, I feel like that's where most of our connectivity is nowadays. Um, That's where we hear about a lot of the trends. That's where we kind of get very involved in um, what is happening in like the health and wellness space. So um, I'm going to talk about a lot of things that may come across as like health promoting behaviors, habits, or approaches that are really just not helpful and like super freaking toxic. Um, also a lot of topics that are potentially controversial because if you are someone who abides by these practices that I'm going to talk about today that I'm not vibing with, you might find your beliefs being challenged when I talk about them. And if you do just know that you are absolutely not a bad person, it's just super important to be aware of what is truth and what is honestly just capitalism and diet culture. And like diet culture really is capitalism. I, uh, this is a brief aside, but I had made a post, um, just recently because Weight Watchers recently just admitted that the success of their company and their profitability depends on their clients gaining the weight back because they become return clients and they continue to invest in the service and the product that is giving them short-term results, but not long-term changes and success. So again, that is just a very capitalistic um, example of kind of, you know, some of the things that I'm going to be talking about today. So also, I guess just for perspective on where where I'm coming from um, with these things that I'm not vibing with, my personal belief is that health is all-encompassing. So health means emotional health. It means physical health. It means mental health. It also does not look one particular way, meaning that health happens at all sizes. So you can be in a variety of different bodies. You can look a bunch of different ways and you can still be healthy. And unfortunately, that's just not really something that our current wellness industry promotes or any of like the health trends that are out there. Like they're not really of that mindset. Um, and if you are not of that mindset, then you're probably not going to resonate with anything that I talk about today. So I'll just give you that right now. And you can, you know, see yourself out if you are like, no, like I believe that health looks a certain way. It's a certain body type. It's a certain pant size. Um, this episode is not for you, but I think part of the reason that our current wellness industry isn't there is because it doesn't sound trendy to be like, just accept yourself and love yourself the way that you are versus saying, strive for better, be more disciplined, you know, do 
more because that makes you more successful. Even though in a lot of cases that quote unquote discipline is actually really disordered. It's also, I think, really easy to get caught up in all the wellness industry noise on social media, in friend groups, and at work because it's literally everywhere. It's everywhere because we're so involved in social media. That is literally our lives. We have technology at our fingertips every moment of every day. And most of us, I will say myself included, don't have the best boundaries around it. We are constantly looking at our devices. Um, And so, the go-to really with this episode is just to help you start to be able to recognize that noise so that you can hopefully start to drown it out and just like have a different viewpoint on what is truth and what is maybe just rooted in like that capitalistic goal of having you be a return client and having you be a part of that trend that is going to keep producing a revenue essentially. So in no particular order, the first thing that I'm not vibing with is legitimizing a product, diet, or training plan with a body shot or like trying to sell something with a before and after picture. And I have admitted previously, and I will admit this right now, that I have done this. So I understand how easy it is to get caught up in that noise. But why I no longer do this and why I don't vibe with it is because it implies that this is what you need to eat, or this is how you have to exercise, or this is the supplement that you need to take in order to look like this. And these ads are easily made to seem like they are rooted in health. Like drink this green juice for improved gut health. And also watch me drink it while I flex my six pack in a sports bra. Or maybe it's a personal trainer marketing their program as they post a straight bum shot telling you that you can grow your booty like that. And all I'll say about this is that An advertisement for health does not require an ab or a booty shot for inspiration. If anything, it should show somebody like living their life or um, being like at peace with food or having great relationships or like just like experiencing joy and experiencing joy doesn't require you to have a six pack. Also, that's just not how real bodies work. Even if we ate the exact same thing, moved our bodies in the exact same way, and took the exact same supplements every single day, we would still all look and feel different. Some people would gain weight. Some people would lose weight. Some people might end up looking like the person in that picture, but most will not. And this is not just me speaking out of my ass, you guys. This is based on science. This is based on what we know from the research about metabolism, energy balance, genetics, all the things that certain influencers may lead you to believe is a one size fits all. I can't even tell you how many times I've heard personal trainers be like, genetics are bullshit. And like, that is just so barbaric to me because genetics are not bullshit. Like, sure, you can, you know, be super strict with your diet and you can go to the gym above all else and you can put your relationships on the back burner and not give a shit about your job and be super tunnel vision focused on looking a certain way and you might be able to get there but a is it going to be worth it when the rest of your values are compromised when you have sacrificed your entire life just to get a six pack and b how long is that going to last like even when you look at bodybuilders for example people that do fitness competitions they don't look like they do on stage in real life every single day and most of them i don't know what the actual statistic is here also sorry i just squeaked sound like a prepubescent boy um but most of them 
rebound afterwards. Most of them gain a lot of weight back afterwards because the approach to get to that physique was so restrictive and it's not attainable for most people and it's not healthy. We also know based on the research that what a person eats, the supplements they take, and the type of activity that they do are such small determinants of what they look like. Like we absolutely cannot say that genetics are bullshit because they are just not. Um, and when it comes to like posting before and after pictures, body transformation photos, they are also just another way that we perpetuate the idea that it's easy to have a six pack or shoulder striations or that physique of that person as long as you work hard enough. And it's another way to make people feel bad about themselves when they can't seem to get there. So then what happens? We make ourselves feel bad for not having enough willpower or we feel frustrated that it was just so easy for someone else and wonder what's wrong with us, even though that someone else was a single person in their 20s that doesn't have a job, that doesn't have to work, or maybe their full-time job is being an influencer and that's how they pay their bills. And you are a single mom of three babies working three jobs. Like that is just not fair. And it's all just baloney. That's a really professional way to describe it, but you guys get what I'm saying. So really just not vibing with the body shots. Um, why don't we start full day of eating videos with a shot of your delicious balanced breakfast in my opinion. Okay. On to the next number two thing I'm really not vibing with, and you will all know this if you follow me on social media, is Ozempic. It is just wild to me that this has now become known as a medication for weight loss. It's not, point blank period. Ozempic is a medication for adults with type 2 diabetes. If you go to their website, it actually explicitly states that Ozempic, along with diet and exercise, has been shown to improve blood sugar in adults with type 2 diabetes. One of the side effects of this medication is weight loss, but the website also explicitly states that while the drug may help with weight loss, that's not what it's for. And it actually reinforces this multiple times on the website. I cannot reiterate enough how important it is that we are not normalizing that it's okay to just take Ozempic as a quick fix solution to losing weight. Because first of all, that doesn't exist. There is no such thing as a quick fix solution. When it comes to weight loss, you always need to reverse engineer and figure out what got you to a place where you're unhappy in your body to begin with. Maybe it's a poor relationship with food and you really struggle with emotional eating and binge eating and going through restricted binge cycles. You need to deal with that. You don't need to go on another diet. You don't need to take a medication. You need to deal with your relationship with food. Maybe it is poor lifestyle choices. So maybe you are like drinking every single night. Maybe you are very inactive. Maybe you are very stressed and you're not prioritizing sleep and you haven't had a sip of water in weeks. Those are the things that you need to focus on. Maybe you've just seen your body change as a result of some life changes, like having a baby um, or getting older. And it's less of a need to lose weight and more of a desire to fit into that bounce back culture. Or maybe there's some body image work to be done because the reality is your post-pregnancy body is not going to look the same as your pre-pregnancy body. Your body at 50 years old is not going to look the same as your body at 20. And sure, some people's bodies might, um, but 
returning to your pre-pregnancy body or maintaining the same physique throughout a lifespan is absolutely the exception, not the norm. So we need to get away from that idea and really accept that our bodies are going to change throughout the course of our lives. And that is healthy and that is normal. And fighting it actually just makes everything worse because we damage our metabolisms from trying various diets, going on different medications, cutting out a bunch of foods. We damage our guts. Um, we damage our relationship with food and we just feel like poop about ourselves because we're living in a pressure cooker trying to fit some idealistic body mold that is just so unfair to our bodies. And it's just, yeah, it's just not fair. It's not okay. That was a bit of a side tangent, but the point was that going back to you know, how you maybe got to a place of being unhappy in your body to begin with and wanting to lose weight. A lot of the times it actually has nothing to do with your body. And it's just the culture that we live in and the beliefs we have about like what our body is supposed to look like. We need to remove that S word. There is no supposed to. Your body looks the way your body looks because of a multitude of reasons, all of which I have just talked about. Genetics, lifestyle, life changes, um, stress, like all of those things. And I'm just going to leave you with just because you want to lose weight doesn't mean that you should. There's a lot of things that go into that before you're ready to actually embark on an intentional weight loss journey. And I talked about this in episode number, I think 24, two episodes ago. Um, I talked about the desire to lose weight and eating intuitively and like if they go hand in hand and what that relationship looks like. And uh, so I would just, I'm going to send you to that one if you're struggling with this, if you're in this place, because um, the first step is. I mean, acknowledging, you know, how you got there in the first place, um, but also making sure that you have a healthy relationship with food and a healthy body image, because it's not to say that, you know, if you desire to lose weight, that you shouldn't and that you can't, and that that prerogative is, is bad. I don't want you to feel bad about that. Um, but we just need to recognize like where that comes from and where that pressure comes from. Cause oftentimes it's outside of ourselves. Especially if you are considering resorting to something like Ozempic, um, that's just an indication that there is other healing that needs to be done first. There's other work that needs to be done first. I was actually, and I posted this to my story this week as well. Um, I was at the pool earlier this week and uh, I was just getting changed before heading out. And there were these two women. Um, I don't know how old they were. I didn't really, I wasn't really paying attention, but uh, they were just finishing their swim and they were in the change room. And uh, one of the women was just talking about like how she's increasing her activity levels. And the other woman was like, oh, well, why don't you just take Ozempic? Like if we just take Ozempic, then we'll just stay thin and we don't even have to work out. And I was just like, <clears throat> there is so much wrong with that statement because first of all, that's not true. You do need to change your lifestyle if you have a desire to lose weight. Um, second of all, the reason for being physically active should not be exclusively to lose weight. There are so many other health benefits to being active. And like, that is something that we are raised with. Like when you are a kid, I think it's like 60 to 90 minutes of physical activity a day. That's like the recommendation. Um, and I remember that being a part of like our education in school. We had, I think it was once a week that we had like a 90 minute, uh, like block of time in elementary school to get physical activity in. That's why we have gym class. That's why there's recess and you go and play on the playground. It's not because as a child, you're trying to manage your weight or lose weight. It's because physical activity is just good for you. It's good for your cardiovascular health, um, for your bone density, longevity. Like there, there's so many different reasons, metabolism, insulin, we can go on and on and on and on. Um, but I'm just going to leave it at that because 
yeah, I feel like that's where we're at when we're talking about Ozempic. And um, I, in one of the posts that I made about it this week, somebody had commented that um, if people need help losing weight, then this should be something that can be resorted to. And I just, I strongly disagree for so many reasons for that person specifically that maybe wants to lose weight and just wants that like kickstart or that like medicinal support. Rapid weight loss is actually incredibly unhealthy. Um, If you are losing more than one to two pounds per week, you are risking huge metabolic concerns, hormone imbalances, potential nutrient deficiencies, not to mention a disordered relationship with food because you're likely not eating a balanced diet um, and body dysmorphia. And Also, we need to remember that whatever you do to lose the weight, you must also expect to do to keep it off. We are so engulfed in the conversation of weight loss that we neglect to discuss the part about what happens after. And 95, actually, I think it's up to like 97% of the time, uh, the weight comes back because we know from published scientific research that the small percentage of individuals who lose weight and keep it off are those who effectively change their lifestyle, meaning that whatever they did to lose the weight, so whether they cut carbs or they just changed their diet and they just were incorporating more foods with fiber and more protein um, and just eating more moderately, or they increased their activity levels, maybe they were doing more cardio, maybe they were intermittent fasting, whatever they did to lose the weight, they continued to do for the rest of their lives. And I will be totally transparent that in this research that we have, none of them were following a restrictive diet. It all came back to um, changing their diet and just incorporating, again, more fibrous and protein-dense food sources, um, and then also increasing their activity levels on a daily basis. So in the most recent research paper that I read, um, the people who were successful in keeping weight loss off for an extended period of time, meaning longer than five years, had increased their activity levels to one hour a day. And None of them were like going to the gym, working out for every hour each day. Um, Some of them were walking. Sometimes they were, you know, snowboarding or skiing or like there was a bunch of different things that didn't look a particular way. But that is what we know is that whatever you do to lose the weight, you must also do to keep it off. So as a brief aside, if you are desiring to lose weight and you're in this space and you've maybe heard of Ozempic and you have thought about it or you're considering it or you're wondering about it, I would just always encourage you to go through the filter of, can I do this forever? So if you don't think that you can take Ozempic for the rest of your life, slash you don't want to, slash you know that it is not a weight loss drug and you shouldn't take it because it's for people with type 2 diabetes, you shouldn't do that. If you don't think that you can cut out carbs for the rest of your life, if you don't think that you can get through Christmas and Easter and your vacation and your birthday and all of those things without having, you know, the um, stuffing or the buns or the piece of cake or the pumpkin pie, then you probably shouldn't do this. Um, if you don't think that you can go to the gym five days a week or run for 20 minutes every day, that probably shouldn't be your approach because it's not going to last. Aside from the personal impacts, Ozempic is not widely available yet. It is a a relatively new drug and there are limited supplies. So what we're seeing happening right now is that it's being prescribed left, right, and center for people with that desire weight loss. And there's a shortage for the individuals with type 2 diabetes that actually really need it and can benefit from it. The other thing about Ozempic that we need to talk about here are the side effects. I talked about this in a previous episode as well, a couple episodes ago, but I'll just touch on it again because 
these side effects are no joke and they are common side effects, meaning that if you take this medication, you are likely to experience nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, stomach pains, constipation. Um, and then there's also, of course, the more serious potential side effects that include pancreatitis, which is inflammation of your pancreas, low blood sugar, which can lead to lightheadedness, headaches, blurred vision, sweats, drowsiness, feeling jittery, all those things that like a lot of us have probably experienced at various points in our lives, but that on a regular basis. Kidney failure, development of cancerous tumors, allergic reactions, gallbladder problems. There are so many, you guys. And so, yeah, it's not even just that I'm not vibing with this one, but it's actually quite sickening how out of control it is. So please just don't be a part of the culture that is feeding into using Ozempic as a weight loss drug. No bueno. Have you thought about what it would be like to eat intuitively? without any food rules or restrictions, but fear that you'll end up eating pizza and cookies all day? Do you struggle to trust your body's hunger and fullness cues? Would you like to have a better understanding of your metabolism? I cover all of this and more in my 12-week program, Food and Body Freedom. You can grab your spot for the next group by enrolling at bloombodycollective.com under the services tab, Food Freedom Course, or click the link below. Whether you've tried intuitive eating in the past or you're sick of dieting and ready to discover what it's like to have a relationship with food that isn't stressful, this program will transform your life. Can't wait to see you inside. Okay, number three is clean eating. I literally cringe anytime someone talks about how clean they eat um, or assuming that because I'm a nutritionist, I must eat so clean. What does that even mean? Washing your food? clean eating. My food is clean. Yes, I wash it. Just kidding. I know what we mean when we say clean eating, but it's just ridiculous because we're continuing to reinforce that eating a certain way makes you a better person, which perpetuates the shame that we feel from deviating from the rule. And then we find ourselves eating in secrecy, lying about what we've had, and binge eating when we have the chance. Also, Clean eating is actually a clinically diagnosable eating disorder called orthorexia. It is a relatively new eating disorder, um, and clean eating is still very much disguised as a healthful practice. But what it really is, is a hyperfixation on the quality of food. So it might mean eliminating processed foods, maybe only buying organic or eating purely vegetarian or vegan. Um, it can also be a very rigid mindset around food. So avoiding anything that's considered bad or unhealthy and experiencing severe emotional turmoil when these rules are broken. And I see this turmoil in the women that I talk to and in my clients, and I've seen it in myself. And it's not a healthy place to be living. You should never feel turmoil about a food choice that you've made unless you're allergic to it and know that you're going to go into anaphylactic shock. Or unless it's expired, then you know maybe you might be a little bit nervous that you might get sick. Or um, if it's something that's poisonous. Again, like yeah, in those situations, probably valid to feel a little bit of turmoil. But if you have a piece of chocolate or an ice cream cone, you should not feel turmoil about that. Clean eating is also eliminating entire food groups. So that could be carbs, it could be fats, gluten, dairy, sugar, seed oils, all very common right now. Um, again, because of the belief that they are bad or unhealthy. It's also experiencing anxiety around certain foods. So maybe those same foods that I just listed above. Um, so that feeling of not being able to have them in the house, maybe avoiding certain social situations because of the food that will be there. And just to be clear, if you relate to any of these it's not something that you should, again, feel bad about. If you are someone who uses that term clean eating, I don't want you to feel bad about that. It's not me coming at you. It's just trying to create the awareness of the things that we're saying that are really perpetuating um, 
diet culture and the toxicity around it. And also if you like check off any of those boxes of like the criteria for orthorexia that I just listed, you know, eliminating certain foods, um, feeling turmoil around certain foods, being really hyper-focused on the quality of the foods. It doesn't mean that you have orthorexia, but it is a very slippery slope and it does indicate a disordered relationship with food, just not necessarily an eating disorder. There is a difference. So it's again, something that is just promoted as health that actually really isn't. I ain't vibing. Okay. Next one is the idea of getting fit for summer. How about we just take care of ourselves year round instead of using a season and the idea of wearing less clothes as a reason to do so. How about we just focus on like being healthy and making healthful choices instead of from like an influencer perspective or a personal trainer perspective or somebody that's in the health and wellness space capitalizing on that state of emotional vulnerability when we know that we're going to be wearing fewer clothes in the coming seasons to sell, to gain a new client. I just think that that is so ick. That just doesn't feel good to me. Um, And I think that we just need to stop making people feel uncomfortable for showing up just as they are. You are not required to fit into a certain size or look a certain way in order to take up space on the beach or go to the local pool. Like that is just not okay. And it's definitely a problem in our social media world. There's definitely a bikini body culture and like anybody is a bikini body. I'm sure that you guys have all heard. It's like a very common, I don't know, people caption it, or I'm sure that there's like videos about it, but, um, the requirement to have a bikini body is that you put on a bikini. That's it. You just, you put it on and you are in a bikini body and that's it. And that doesn't mean that, you know, if you're not comfortable wearing a bikini that you have to wear a bikini, but I just want you to know that if you feel like you have to change your body just to be able to go to the beach and not feel judged or enjoy your time playing with your kids and making sandcastles and splashing in the water or, you know, having the ice cream cone, you don't, you don't have to change anything about you. So not vibing with getting fit for summer. Let's just take care of ourselves year round because um, our health is important and we only have one body and we should treat that body like a temple, whatever size it's in. Okay. Number five, last one is calling foods toxic or bad. I hate this. Oh, I, I don't like to use the word hate, but like I really do. I really do despise calling foods toxic or bad for a number of reasons. Um, this is honestly just a scare tactic. You can name any food out there and I can give you a reason that it's good. There are literally no foods that are inherently bad. And then when we're talking about using the word toxic, toxicity is just based on dosage. So when we're talking about anything that might be toxic, it always depends on how much you are consuming. When we're talking about food specifically, it's often in regards to things like gluten, sugar, seed oils, but calling these foods toxic is just a scare tactic. And it makes all of us even more crazy obsessed about the restrictions that we place on our food choices. And it then again leads to that cycle of restricting and binging or feeling shame or hiding foods, all of those things. And so for sure, we want to be considerate of the quality of the food choices that we're making, but that is very much also a conversation of privilege in many regards. It's not realistic for everyone to buy fresh foods all the time. It's a lot more realistic for many people, especially right now with inflation, to lean more into processed foods. And there are absolutely ways to incorporate those in a healthy diet. And I think that's where education that myself and other nutrition professionals 
um, provide, like how to read food labels, how to understand what an ingredient list means and what to look for. All of those things are super important. And if I'm being quite frank, a lot of professionals out there are maybe not going to provide you with that same insight like a nutrition professional might. Um, I just was thinking of something else that somebody told me recently in regards to Ozempic. Again, not to go back to that, but um, she was saying that her respiratory therapist that she saw at the hospital suggested talking to her doctor about Ozempic. I'm sorry, but that is very out of scope, like very out of scope. And I absolutely respect everyone in the healthcare industry and everyone that is a professional in their specific space, but we just need to really stay in our lanes because as a respiratory therapist, it is not in your lane to be talking to somebody about going on Ozempic for weight loss. That's it. Like, yeah. So, um, yes, education about nutrition is very important from nutrition professionals. Even the best doctors out there, like I know my, um, my GP is very transparent about the fact that he is not a nutrition professional and he will outsource his patients to nutritionists or dietitians because it is not in his lane to be talking about how to read food labels, how to understand what an ingredient list means. I mean, those are fairly foundational things, but even at that, we are risking potential bias. I remember my GP when I first saw him, when I moved to Kelowna, he was asking me about my diet, um, just out of curiosity. And I had said like, I'm not a huge red meat fan just because I just like, don't really like it. Sometimes I will crave a steak and I'll just have a steak if I'm craving it. Um, and I remember him saying good. Cause red meat is bad for you. And I was like, no, please don't ever say that to anybody else. You are very lucky that it was me that you just said it to, but you could tell a lot of other people that, and they are going to take it and run with it and feel incredibly guilty for ever having a bite of steak or a beef burger again in their entire lives. So yeah, we just need to be very cognizant of the way that we're using our words and the education that we're providing and the education that we're receiving and like who we're receiving that education from. Um, keep this in mind as well when you're reading things, even from other professionals that maybe sound too good to be true. Usually it has to do with like one single food ingredient, either being the holy grail for health or the absolute devil. So um, I have seen magazines that say like doctor approves taking apple cider vinegar every day to burn belly fat or like doctor approved diet. And like, that is not true. Um, Taking apple cider vinegar every day is not going to burn belly fat or maybe um, celery juice. Celery juice helps to detox your liver or heal your gut. Neither of those are true. This goes for supplements as well. Nothing against anyone who sells products that are part of an MLM company. Um, All I'm going to say about this is that they are also not the holy grail. You do not need to spend $40 on a greens powder to help give you energy in the morning. Make yourself a nice breakfast sandwich and that will accomplish the same thing. If you truly enjoy taking the greens powders and like that helps you drink water for the day or it just really tastes yummy. Like I personally, um, I don't, I don't take any supplements currently. Actually that's life. I use protein powder, but I use protein powder because it tastes good. And I like adding it to my yogurt because then I get a little like mocha flavor with my plain Greek yogurt. And I really just like that. Um, I have in the past taken greens powders again, just because I like the flavor. And sometimes it's nice to not just drink plain water. All I'm saying about that is that it's not the holy grail for health and you don't have to take it in order to accomplish the results that they might be marketing. 
make yourself a nice smoothie with some frozen berries, spinach, frozen cauliflower, peanut butter, Greek yogurt, super balanced meal right there. And it's going to cost you a lot less than investing in those greens powders and also contribute way more to nutritive value. And then just keeping in mind as well that most people who sell these products are not professionals. There is no research to show that these products are actually providing what they say that they are. And I can say that with confidence because I've looked and I've asked a sneaky one recently that's come up is Q Sciences. And I don't know if it's still a thing because I actually haven't had anyone reach out recently, but um, I have in the past had multiple people reach out to ask if I'd be interested in purchasing their products. And when I asked for peer-reviewed literature, they just sent me the company brochure, which is I find so interesting because they're all about like, it's based on science, it's backed by science. And then when I ask for the science, they can't give it to me. And so, yeah, there really is just no evidence to show for these products that they help to detox or improve your health significantly in any capacity relative to the effects of just eating a balanced diet, incorporating mindful movement, and staying on top of foundational health habits like sleep, hydration, and stress management. I feel like the through line with all of the things that I'm not vibing with in this episode is that health is a lot more simple than we make it seem. It's not as complicated as needing to curate our fridge with a strict list of do and don't foods or taking a million and one supplements with breakfast, lunch, and dinner or moving mountains in your schedule to make sure that you can fit in all of the meal prep and the cardio and the extensive self-care practices that a lot of influencers may encourage you to do. It's not about needing to go all in because oftentimes all in also means all consumed. It's about the small things that you do on a daily basis that contribute to your well-being over the course of your life. And I know that it's hard to feel that way when, again, we have technology at our fingertips and we're seeing all of the things that everyone else is doing every single day. And we're given so much information at so many different angles. And there is so much noise out there. It's really, really hard to go back to like, what would life look like if we didn't have technology, if things weren't trending, if we just lived? Like what would your diet look like? What would health mean to you? What would that look like? And I think what I'll leave you with in that regard is that just because something is trending does not mean that it's the right thing for you. Just because all your friends are smoking doesn't mean that you should. Just because everyone at work is leaving early but still getting paid that extra hour and cheating the company doesn't mean that you should do that. Just because your entire neighborhood is raising chickens doesn't mean that you need to get a chicken coop. Random example with that one, but you get the point. Be mindful of your social media influence and challenge the current beliefs that you might have that maybe I challenged for you today. And if you have any questions about anything from this episode, please, please, please reach out. I am absolutely never going to judge you for where you are because I have also been there. I have also fallen victim to all of these health trends minus Ozempic. Um, many, many times I have done the celery juice. I've done the apple cider vinegar. I've cut out all of the foods. Um, I, I, yeah, I've tried it all. There's this one quote that I heard recently uh, that went something like, we do the best with what we can until we know better. And then we do better. And I really like that because I do think that we need to just acknowledge and be compassionate towards ourselves, knowing that we are doing the best damn thing that we can within our knowledge. But if we have greater knowledge, then we should do better. So 
I hope that this conversation was insightful. And if it was challenging or emotionally activating or like uncomfortable or abrasive or triggering in any way, I hope at the very least that you can take those feelings and just get curious about them. You know, if it was triggering for you because you do have any of these beliefs, then just get curious. And like, where do those beliefs come from? And why is it uncomfortable to have them challenged? And if you found value from this episode, please share it. I would appreciate that so, so, so much. And tag me in it so that I can see that you're listening. Um, We really do need to put some good vibes out there and change the conversation around all of these things that are a part of our wellness culture right now that really are not about wellness at all. So please share. I would appreciate you so much. I also obviously appreciate any reviews on the podcast that you have, um, any questions that you might have. I want to keep putting out as much valuable content and relatable content as I can. So um, yeah, if there's things that you're curious about from this particular episode or anything in general, please reach out. Let me know. I appreciate you guys so so, so much for listening and I will catch you in the next episode. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you guys got value from the show, I would love for you to rate and share it. And if you have any questions about the conversation today, you can always find me on Instagram or Facebook at Chelsea Glubish. Catch you on the next one.